When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. All right, Reds, Tony Evans here with Walk On, your Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Can you believe that? The Reds were rampant. They outdid rampant Roy Hodgson at Ellen Rhodes, scoring six where Crystal Palace only got five. Well, that was an amazing performance. I'm here with James Pearce, Kiefer O'Neill and Andy Jones to talk about Trent's putting on a passing clinic, Diogo Jota popping up with two goals on one night, as well as wishing Divock Arrivi a happy 28th birthday. But we'll begin as ever, with those three words. Well, at least we should have three encouraging ones tonight. I'll start with you, Andy. <laughs> what on earth, essentially, because given Liverpool's away form this season, I'm, I'm still sort of in a little bit of shock that they've gone away and, and put on the performance that they did. Yeah, Kiva. I'm torn between just like a really boring one, like they are capable, but I sound like I'm the teacher doing a report or something. Um, yeah. So I'll go with, welcome back, Diogo. Uh, James? I'll go for identity is intensity. Ooh. <laughs> oh, dear. That's, uh, yes. Moving swiftly on. Well, let's have a look <laughs> what they're saying on the Walk On Facebook group. Kenneth Canavan, about bloody time. Well, yeah, I'll agree with that. <laughs> Stephen O'Brien, we want more. Wesley Clark, there's a chance. Jamie George, Diogo is back. And what would I say? I'd say... Three'll do, you know. Save some of the goals for the tight games. That would be, that would be very good. To join our community of listeners on Facebook, just search Walk On Podcast and join the group. Nunez, it's another. The flag stays down. Liverpool have six. Off the bench, onto the score sheet, to rub salt into gaping Leeds United wounds. So six one away at Leeds. Liverpool finally won again. But where did all that come from, James? <laughs> yeah, it was it was a crazy night, wasn't it? I think um, for half an hour, I, I thought Liverpool, it was much the same of what we've seen from Liverpool on their travels for most of this season in terms of struggling to keep possession, lots of mistakes. And then it, it just it just shows what a difference a goal can do suddenly belief starts to course through the veins and, and Liverpool looked a different a different team. Yeah, epitomised by Diogo Jota's night, really. I think, you know, I, I looked at the Otta, the Opta stats after half an hour and he'd he'd given the ball away 11 times. Probably at that point, most people watching on were thinking, well, you know, why has Klopp picked him again when he had Darwin Nunes there chomping at the bit? Yet, you know, by the end of the night, we're talking about the brilliance of Jota with two goals after that. What was it? Three hundred and seventy-two day wait for a goal, and you know played a massive part in two other goals as well in terms of breaking up attacks and creating something out of nothing. So um, yeah, it was it was a hell of a night. But again, yeah, in keeping with this crazy season, and as you know, 
to score six is you know it's it, it seems to be the feast or famine, doesn't it? You know when you when you add together those Bournemouth, Man United, and and Leeds thrashings that have been dished out, Liverpool have scored nearly forty percent of their Premier League goals this season in in just three matches. Yeah, that's not ideal, is it, Kiva? You know, <laughs> it'd be nice if they spread them around a little bit. But what gets me is this is another sign that this team can do it. It's just that they haven't been doing it. Exactly, and I think we watched last night and we realised like two or three additions to this team and they could be rocking and rolling next season. Absolutely. That's why we thought this team would be doing that this season, but we've all had to readjust our expectation levels because they have just been absolutely dreadful at times. Then they show up like last night and you're kind of like, I was watching it thinking, bit annoyed here, this is a team. That's why I said they are capable, like they're capable of battling it out at the top. You know, they should probably still be in the Champions League the way they started that Real Madrid game with that energy that they had last night. Obviously, after the first half an hour, they just kicked into gear and that was Liverpool. He ran away with it then. And I think that's why it'll kind of frustrate us this season because performances like that, like Bournemouth, like Man United, you know, we'll look back and they're the highlight of Liverpool's season. All right, if they pull off some incredible comeback to get Champions League space, which I think people are now sort of thinking, well, maybe it's nine points, but maybe, you know, on the back of that performance, still a long way off it. But that's why I think we'll look back on this season and just think what might have been. Yeah, without a doubt. There is, it feels almost in touching distance of this team being something like we saw a year ago. You know, they're not that far away. It's just that they've lacked the energy and impetus. Oh, well, we've got to take into account, Andy, how bad leads were. They were bad. <laughs> yeah, they were. So many sort of mistakes, wasn't it, from them in, in, in possession particularly. And it did have the feel of the Palace game the week before where Leeds sort of just ran out of legs very very early in the game and then were really easy to, to counter-attack on. But equally, Liverpool had to be really good to force them into that. And if Liverpool had played with the intensity that they've you know, turned up to a, a number of away games this season, which which is why the away form has been so bad, then Leeds probably would have got away with it. Whereas on this occasion they were, and that's why Leeds were were on the back foot and spooked basically. And then and what was what was really good to see about the this Liverpool team is for that first 30 minutes there was I guess it was it was still like how are Liverpool going to score a goal here? I, I still I didn't feel they were threatening very much at all. They had loads of possession, but you know it was a little bit frantic when they got round the box in terms of decision making and the passes weren't great but what was great to see is how many of the goals were counter attacking goals and the conviction the clarity that they played with when they got that turnover and I think that's why Klopp was so happy with the counter pressing in that they were able to win the ball back but then they used it really really well so it wasn't just a case of how they're doing it but then it was breaking down it was the consistency of how well they were they were then using the ball in possession to punish leads as errors. Yeah, and and that was um, that was depressed right until the end, which impressed me. But Trent, James, come on, like you know, he made 124 successful passes. Hang on, that's more than Everton all season, isn't it? Um, <laughs> two assists and 20 passes in the final third. I think we need to get something clear. This wasn't Trent moving into midfield. This wasn't playing as a fullback and pushing into this position. Yeah, very similar to to what we saw against Arsenal a week earlier. I think that the difference now compared to to when we've seen Trent pop up in central areas previously um, was that before it was all about just Klopp and Pep Linder's trust in Trent 
to play on instinct and to use his initiative and and to pick the moments to to go from the right into the middle and provide an extra body in there. Whilst now it's very much part of the the game plan completely when Liverpool are in possession. Yes, when they're defending, he drops back into that right back slot. But as soon as as soon as they've got the ball, he's there almost as another midfielder alongside Fabinho. And yeah, I thought there were really promising signs against Arsenal. For, you know, a new role that you could see that he he seemed to enjoy himself. And then yeah, it absolutely went to the the next level against Leeds. I think you've got to be careful not to get too carried away because I think Leeds did absolutely capitulate in that second half, and it won't always be that easy to influence games to that degree. But Trent deserves a lot of credit because um, yeah, he he just had an absolute field day, didn't he? Given given that amount of space he was able to showcase his his range of passing and you know absolutely ran the show 153 touches I think I saw that he he had and as you said what was it 91% pass completion rate 124 out of 136 one possession 11 times more than anyone else on the pitch as well and and two assists to become just the the third defender in Premier League history to get a, a half century of assists after I think Leighton Baines and, and and Andy Robertson of course so um yeah, it did. It did work a treat, and I thought it also. I don't know, just just the tweak on that side as well, just seemed to benefit Mo Salah as well. He seemed a, you know, a lot more involved as well. And great to see him, you know, put the misery of that penalty miss against Arsenal behind him. Yeah, I mean, they just look so different, and the, uh, you know, Kiva, you said the confidence flowed through them, and that is a, so different to what we've seen so often this season. Yeah, and I think for the first half an hour or whatever, Liverpool had a few shots, but nothing on target. Obviously, Trent sort of getting the ball and, you know, that would be, if you're a Leeds fan, you'd be absolutely fuming because it did look like handball, didn't it, when it was slowed down on the replay. But I think them them slow replays also kind of make your things look different, don't they, than in real time. But you'd be absolutely devastated about that, I think. But I think that just showed what Trent was on the pitch to do last night. He just wanted to drive forward and attack and be creative. And it was like he was free and had the freedom like to go forward. But then when he needed to get back, he was there as well. And I thought Canate, other than his mistake, did a great job of just being there. And Fabinho, I think he mopped up better than maybe we've seen him do in recent games. There was a few iffy moments from him, but you know, you're hoping as the weeks go on, he'll kind of fine-tune his game more and more. But for Trent, I just think, I mean... That pass for Nunes at the end was just cherry on top of a, an absolutely fantastic performance from him. He ran the game. He was basically like when you were a kid and you'd just be like, right, let's pass to me mate who's the best on our team. Let's just pass to him and see what he can do. And that's exactly what Liverpool did. But it wasn't pass to him and he's just going to run through the opposition. He was just picking passes through them, slowly but surely getting Liverpool on the move. And it felt like a, a, you know they were almost instructed to give the ball to him and just be like, right, go and do what you do. And it's kind of like what Man City do with Kevin De Bruyne. It's, you know, give our best, most creative player the ball and let's open up, you know, these defences because Liverpool have struggled to do that this season. And had Leeds scored in that sort of rocky half an hour for Liverpool, then this game would have been a similar pattern maybe to the games that have come before this season because Liverpool just haven't woke up, I guess, in some first half. So they got away with that by obviously getting the goal and then I think they didn't really look back from there. And obviously I mentioned the Canate mistake, but I think maybe is it a little bit more on him now to be picking up the ball in his, you know, in that position and, and passing out to the right wing because Trent is a little bit further um, inside the pitch, maybe 
But I think Liverpool recovered really well from that because 2-1, that's a horrible scoreline. We know it is. And we know it is for this Liverpool team because they just, you know, they haven't had bags of confidence all season. But I think to just overcome that and just ride it out and recover as they did, I think that bodes well as bad as, as Leeds were. But it's, I mean, Andy, because when when Leeds scored, it was like, oh my God, we're looking over the precipice again. And you're like, oh, it's, are they going to unravel? But the great thing was they didn't. Yeah, and it's something that we haven't seen enough of from Liverpool this season. We've talked about it on on the pod a fair bit of Liverpool's inability to deal with any sort of adversity away from home, whereas that first setback, which has usually been the first goal conceded and going behind, they've not been able to recover or respond from it. This time it was it was different because I mean it helped that they were already in the lead. Um they, they were two one up, so it wasn't like, you know, worst case scenario, they were still in the lead in the game. But it was, yeah, you're right. It was on that knife edge of this could go really badly for Liverpool now, given what we've what we've experienced this season. The difference was, of course, the they shrugged it off, which is you know for the first time or one of the few times away from home this season where they've been able to do that, and then to score that goal so quickly, which which is really really important because suddenly that that nervousness, that tension, that you know, because the crowd and, and Leeds they'd have that spring in the step for a couple of minutes afterwards. You could feel it. The change in their mentality a little bit, but as soon as that day one went in uh, and Liverpool got that two goal advantage back, Leeds basically went, "What do we do now?" And then Liverpool were able to just dictate the rest of the game. Ah, uh, lovely words. Liverpool were able to dictate the rest of the game. This is Walk On, brought to you by the Athletic. <laughs> Hello, this is Adam Hurry, the voice of Football Clichés, a unique podcast on the Athletic Network. A football podcast you might not think you need in your life, but honestly, you will need this in your life. We've just chalked up our 250th episode, which, at a rough calculation, makes about 12,000 minutes, or just over eight days of our lives, spent digging into the previously unexcavated language of football. We've argued about what cometh the hour means, we've heard Pierre-Emil Huyberg talk about food in the most footballery way imaginable. Like, no disrespect to egg yeah but I'm surprised how (laughs) flavoury it is we've selected the pure Europa League 11 we're still on speaking terms with several mainstream football commentators and we'd love you to have a listen to us Football Clichés is available on The Athletic and wherever you get your podcasts oh look at that that is wonderful another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast, lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The best word I can say but uh, will describe this was boom. Tony Evans here with James Pierce, Keever O'Neill, and Andy Jones with Walk On. James, the top four. We shouldn't really talk about it, should we? No, <laughs> no. There's been there's been too many false dawns and moments this season when you thought, right, that's it, that's the blueprint. Now they've got to kick on. Now they've got to replicate that. So, yeah. Yeah, I think we've been stung that many times, you know, the, the the ultimate being, you know, how on earth you go from demolishing Manchester United to losing at Bournemouth the week after the, yeah, they've just given themselves a little glimmer of hope. And I think that's all it is at the minute. 
was it you know nine, nine points is the gap with eight games to go it's still a it's still a huge ask I think it's just it's twofold really it, it before the weekend I probably would have said to you I think probably no chance but then you know when you look at Tottenham are in an absolute mess you know Newcastle looked like they were marching on towards the top four and then you wonder well you know they got absolutely stuffed by Villa you know where how are they going to react to that and of course there's other teams in that mix as well but you know, clambering over those two is going to play a big part. And then you see Liverpool play with that kind of intensity and fluency and you think, well, there's no reason why they can't go on and win the rest of those games and, and get to, to 71 points, which is, you know, in recent years has been enough to get you into the top four. But yeah, as Klopp said himself last night, it's, you know, they can only influence it very marginally, really, when you look at the games they've got left. You know, yes, of course, you know, you've got Tottenham come to Anfield, but... They they just have to take care of their own business, and who knows it it might be enough. It probably won't be, is my feeling at the minute. But yeah, I think I think do you know what? Forget about top four now. We just want to see them put together back to back to back performances, and actually because you know as we spoke about the other week, you can talk about the the pros and the cons of being in the Europa League or the Europa Conference, even or or missing out altogether. But it is really important that Liverpool go into the summer, giving all of us hope for next season you know regardless of of what happens in the transfer market this summer and there's no reason why they can't do that especially when you look at that bench last night you know I did you can't help but think what could have been this season but for some of those devastating injury setbacks because you know when imagine what that was like for Leeds United when you know you've been absolutely destroyed and then he's he's bringing on Nunes, Firmino, you know Luis Diaz and, and Thiago you know it's now, where would Liverpool have been if he'd had those kind of options all season? Having those options has been key to last night because it just Jota must be thinking, I better start scoring soon because there's loads of players there that are just going to take me place if I don't. He needed a performance like that and Klopp's been really patient with him to get it out of him and there he was, eventually give it to, to Liverpool last night. And I think being able to have those options all season... I don't think we'd be looking at Liverpool in eighth place because Lewis Diaz alone, you know, missing six months has been massive for Liverpool. Jota obviously missed, I think, was it four months? Those are two key players who are going to get your goals and, you know, be exciting to watch and annoy the opposition as Jota did last night so well. So I think just at the top end of the pitch, you know, you needed that sort of fluidity at the bottom end. You need the stability. And I think the midfield is and has been a madness this season. But it's starting to work. You know, you look at obviously at times in the in the season, Stefan Bajetic coming in and no one really expected him to sort of fix Liverpool's midfield for a bit, but he did that. And now you're kind of looking at Curtis Jones thinking he's put back to back starts there together that have really impressed. I thought he was outstanding last night and probably one of the best players on the pitch. And I thought Trent's role actually freed him up to do a bit more running forward. Curtis Jones at his best as a player that moves forward. And makes a pass like he did for Jota's second, I think, or first goal, was it? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought he was excellent last night. And um, we'll talk about Jota in a minute, because James, your match piece was uh, centred around Jota. But I don't want to leave this subject, Curtis Jones, without getting your view on his Andy. I thought he was absolutely excellent. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. It's, it's just great, isn't it, to see. And it, there's a, there is a party which is... You know, frustrated in terms of why haven't we seen this all season, or where's he been all season? If you like, given given the performances he's put in, and you know, it starts at Chelsea, doesn't it? Where he just, but he's a surprise selection, but comes in and just, I think, as he said afterwards, just 
kept it simple, kept, did the right things, and and just you know got through the game and, and put in a performance that was that was just fine. Stepped up up against Arsenal a little bit, and then last night it was you know it was the perfect game for him. And I think that that box midfield that Liverpool now creates in possession doesn't have free up Henderson and Jones to be able to go and be a bit more you know on the front foot and and be you know push forward into basically and, and sort of create that that five to to make the three two five. Um, and, and having because you know you're not leaving Fabinho on an island anymore. You, you're leaving Fabinho with with someone next to him who's got who can cover some of the ground and 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 that's the structural difference. But yeah, I mean, just the way he uses the ball and we all know his talent and his technical ability and we've seen that in in more than just glimpses, you know, over his Liverpool career. But still, not not as much as you would like. But this this feels like it's you know we've been waiting for someone I think to to grasp this type of opportunity and, and step in and. And really put the name on there and go. This, you know, I should be playing here every, you know, week in, week out in this midfield. And we haven't really seen that from anyone consistently. There's been too many poor performances or poor midfield displays overall. But he really, he really stood up and and just looked like he was enjoying himself. What what's really impressed me is his intensity, and you can, <laughs> he looks like a player who's not playing much footy in a good way. In that he, he looks fresh. Um, and I know he's had his injury problems, but he's not had the weight of the the season, you know, in his legs basically, and and that is helping with his intensity and, and his press, and that it doesn't half help the, you know, the rest of the team who have had you know a lot of games this this season. Again, he's one of those players who could solve part of the midfield problem. Melier thought about coming out. Jota got there, and Jota is back in business for Liverpool. What a time for him to rediscover his scoring touch. His first goal in a year. Let's pay homage to Diogo Jota. James, it's great, isn't it, when you have a match like that and a player puts in a performance, which is so, so good and and, and so important to the team and, and himself that... I mean, the piece writes itself, really, doesn't it? Well, actually, it doesn't. You have to write it, but you I, know what I mean. I wish it had done, Tony. I wish it had. I could have gone. To, I could have got to bed at a decent hour. Don't say that, because because like next thing you know, the athletes will get AI in and they'll be writing a piece for you. No, That's we need point. we need your your no. knowledgeable eye on it. So you know, it's crucial. But no, it's a, it, it does it makes it easier than say a nil nil draw. Yes, doesn't it? yeah, most definitely. Yeah, and there has, and, and and to be honest, it was nice to have something new. And, and positive to to get stuck into because far too often this season been sat at the kitchen table in the early hours thinking it's the same old issues I wrote about last week and the week before and the week before that. I, I was the, really pleased for for Jota. I think as every Liverpool fan watching on will have been as, as Kiva said before. Klopp has been very patient with him. You know he started every game since the international break, and I think a few people have probably been scratching their heads and and run, wondering why at times because. Um, you know, it's not just been not just been the lack of goals because anyone can can go on a on a barren run. But it's I think you can see he's looked like a player that's just missed vast chunks of the season. You know, he didn't he didn't get a preseason because you know he got injured with Portugal in the June internationals you know last summer. Then he you know he broke down in Singapore. I think it was on the preseason tour. Didn't get back in action till September. Then you're playing catch up. He was doing well then for a month or so. Then he, then he suffered that horrendous. Calf injury, you know, four months out, and 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 since then he's he's yeah, just real lack of rhythm, and 
you know, and, the, and it, it continued it for that opening 30, 35 minutes at Ellen Road. It was, he was as wasteful as any Liverpool player in that first half. But then things clicked and, you know, that's, that's where sometimes you just have to, I'm sure Klopp's intuition was, I, I, and I think part of it was probably that feeling of he, he just needs more football to, I believe in him and, and, you know, he will click back into gear. But I, th- and I think also with Jota, I think, which probably gives him the edge over Nunes in terms of that selection, is the work you get from him off the ball, where I think, you know, Nunes, I love watching Nunes, but he's very much all about wanting to get in behind and, and, and use his pace and his power, while Jota is a very kind of selfless team player in terms of shutting down space. And, you know, he, he epitomised that with the role he played in, in Liverpool's second goal, you know, deep inside his own half, dispossessing um, leads and then and then driving forward, you know that was that was the big thing. You know, getting his head up early, assessing the options. You know, and and such a lovely pass to to Salah. You know, it was a, an immaculate finish. But you know, the weight of the pass meant that Salah could just hit it first time. And and from then on, it to, it just looked like you know the shackles were off, and that was the Diogo Jota we we've, we've all loved for 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 a few years now. But it it, it had been a while since we'd seen him play you know at, at that level and it, it, the way the way that he, he ended the long goal drought as well you know that that was a he made a difficult finish look very easy because it's not you know especially when a goalkeeper's hurtling out at you um like Meslier was um to keep his composure to lift it over him and then um yeah again the the fourth goal was all about Jota as well you know sliding in tackle on the edge of his own box and and you know that tenacity and then not only that, but was quickly back on his feet, you know, providing an outlet on the left, links up with Robertson, and then, you know, get it. That move ends, you know, a blistering counter counterattack ends with Gagpo, teeing up Salah for his um for his second of the night. So and um yeah, and then, you know, it just shows more than anything, it shows what what a ridiculous commodity confidence is in football when you know, there's no chance a week, a week or so ago, he would have his second goal. There's no chance he hits that first time. He'd have probably had seven or eight touches before he backed himself to have a shot. Yet, you know, he'll put it off for a throw. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, he's, it, you know, there was only one thing on his mind when Henderson picked him out on the edge of that box, and and he sends it arrowing into the corner. So, um, yeah, that he'll feel like a massive weight has been lifted on his shoulders, and it's timely as well when you look at, you know. He will have known, you know, Diaz coming back, Nunes chomping at the bit as well. He had to produce if he wanted to stay in that team for the rest of the season, and he certainly did that. One of the things that strikes me about the front three, you know, the Mane, Firmino, Salah front three, is they were they were hardly ever injured, were they? And to cover for them, to, to well, to move on from them, you probably need five because we do pick up those injuries in that area up front, don't we, Kiva? Uh, but would Jota be your first choice? Because he is, he's much more, he's more like that that, that brilliant front three, isn't he? he? He'd fit into that more than, say, perhaps Nunes. Yeah, I mean, Salah had a lot of work for both of his sublime finishes, but without Jota, you know, he might not have had those opportunities because of him winning the ball back deep inside his own half and heading forward. And I think that's what... Jurgen Klopp will love most, and I think that's why he continues to start him because he knows he's got he's got that capability of the nous to know I need to get back here and try and win this ball back and press with my teammates, get it, and then we'll move forward. So I think that's probably the edge that he's got at the minute with Nunes. I mean, we've seen his fantastic finish at the end, but you still never know what you're going to get from him in a weird way, even though he's absolutely brilliant. 
he could have easily fluffed his lines. And I think Jota, when he's up and running, you have that like real confidence in him that he's just like a poacher and he's going to get involved from deep and he's just going to score goals. But we just haven't seen that from him. So like James said there, this game was important for him to say, right, this is what I can do. I can influence the game. And he influenced it in what one assist and helping score a couple of goals himself and helping out in the build-up to other goals. So I think that's exactly, you know, four goal involvements pretty much. And, you know, he might have been involved in the others as well. He's just the player that, that gives you that at his best. And I think not long ago we were saying, you know, I think, there was a point last season when it was like Diogo Jota might be one of Liverpool's best players. There was talk of him being Liverpool's best player at one point because he was just scoring everything he hit, just turned to gold for Liverpool. So I think now having those options, like you say, is important because I think it encourages those players like Jota to know that they've got to really before perform. Otherwise, Diaz is coming on for you, Nunes is coming on for you or whoever. And a man we haven't mentioned is Cody Gakpo, who's quietly going about his business, looking the absolute business. He just looks so calm and composed. And I think at his very best, he's sort of like maybe just in front of his own half, picking the ball up, just sort of waiting for a few players, like almost like when Aldham used to do, like waiting for players to be around him and then just kicking forward with the ball. And I mean, you've seen his composure last night to tee up Salah. I think he he's just got that real sort of level-headedness, which... I think Klopp will like as well. And he just seems to be building in confidence himself, doesn't he? And you're thinking, no, he's keeping out some incredible players and he might continue to do that. And I don't think anyone can really argue with that. Yeah, and that's, what, again, what's so disappointing in many ways about the season. There's just a multitude of riches. You look at them last night, Andy, and you think to yourself, why aren't they scoring six every week? <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the thing, is that this team, when all fit, have the potential to do that and do it more consistently. But... You know that injuries have, have played a massive part, as we, as we sort of alluded to earlier, and and then you're looking at, at trying to build partnerships effectively in that in that front area of the pitch because you, you bring in Nunes in the summer, and then he's not you know he's not playing with all the forwards, and he's he's trying to just adapt to to English football, and you haven't got Diaz, who's you know he's built partnerships, you haven't got Jota, who's built partnerships, you've got Gakpo who comes in after midway through the season, trying to learn everything and. And trying to fit in, and and what in what is a pretty new role for him as well. Then you see what work on the training pitch with all five, all six, with if you include Firmino as well, can do. Um, and I'm sure that that will have played a massive part in in Liverpool having such a you know it, it was eight days, wasn't it, between the, the Arsenal game and and the Leeds game, and, and to be able to work on things. And that's what you saw. You saw patterns in Liverpool's in Liverpool's attack and play once they settled and once they got that first goal. You know, you saw the, the types of movements and the, the running and and how you can create things. And, and even if Liverpool weren't in the ascendancy and, and weren't up, you know, to have these those types of options coming off the bench. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago, but after the international break, in particular with Diaz, just just having those options because even when you know Diotta in the first eighty five minutes was putting in what, what was becoming an all timer for a disaster class, you were you were sort of looking at it and going, well, it's not. It's not the end of the world. This this isn't Liverpool's only option here. They, they do have, you know, Diaz to come on. They do have Nunes to come on. Obviously, Jota turns it around and, you know, fair play to him for that. And, and James talked about the confidence you could see seep through him. But equally, you have those options now. And, and when you've got all that, you've got the ability to just bring players on and score two or three more goals in games and, and take the game away from oppositions, which, which is important because you don't want to be, especially with how, you know, the, the fragility Liverpool have shown sometimes, you know, especially away from home this season. If you've got that firepower, 
you know, you can back yourself to win games just by scoring more than the opposition. And that's what Liverpool haven't been able to do this season because they've just struggled to score goals away from home. This is Wolfgang, brought to you by The Athletic. We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot. Probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Well, to finish today's pod and to celebrate the great Divock Origi's 28th birthday, is he only 28? He seems to have been around forever. It's, uh, we're going to talk about our favourite cop cult heroes, those players who may not have turned it in week in, week out, but when they did, when it mattered most, they endeared themselves to the fans forever. So, James, come on, who's your cult hero? Oh... Um, my cult hero. I think I probably would have to go Jimmy Triori, um, because <laughs> he is such a lovely, lovely fella. And I just think, I just think in football, it's like it's amazing how you can go from one end of the emotional spectrum to the to the other. And you know, when I think back to that that bleak night at at Turf Moor and him scoring the own goal. Liverpool getting knocked out the FA Cup and you know all the all the stick that came his way and you know you, you think if, if someone had if someone had said to him then as he sat with his head in his hands in that in that hole at Turf Moor with the um what was it five months later he'd be he'd be a Champions League winner you know I think he'd have laughed in their face and it's not, that's the thing like he, you know when you think he, someone like him has achieved something that that most players can only only ever dream of. So he would be my pick. I'll tell you what, that goal, I mean, he got his feet into a position. If he tries that a hundred times, he couldn't do it again. <laughs> it was like unbelievable. It's um, uh, Kiva. Come on, who's I your mean, cult hero? There can be only one. And I have to mention Divock Origi because he is the king of the cult heroes for me. As soon as you've seen his number go up, it was like, right, he's going to come on and do something. There was an aura about him. And I think this season, had, you know, Liverpool kept him around. There probably would have been, he would have won them points somehow, some way, wouldn't he, coming on the pitch? I think he's the one that you'll always sort of following on him on Instagram or whatever, and you'll see a post and you just, you're almost just connected to him forever. And I think that's what a cult hero is at their best. If you seen them walking down the street, you know, you'd almost bow at them because you know, <laughs> they gave you some great moments. And I think not only did he give Liverpool fans the greatest moments of all, but he was someone that you just didn't expect 
it from him, you know, but he, he well, just provided. Then he never knew how to celebrate, which was the best thing ever. Sometimes he didn't even know if Liverpool had won the game. Remember the derby, <laughs> so it's like gets the ball and runs back. He's just like this character that I think, you know, will go down in, in the club's history as, as one of the absolute greatest. I miss him every day. And Pickford's able to wait for it. Oh, it was awkward. It's going to go in. It has gone in. Incredible. What got me about him is, you know, that you talk about the front three and the, you know, brilliant cutting edge. And Divock was the bluntest of instruments, wasn't he? You know, it's um, compared to them. I mean, I don't want to talk down his ability because he, he was great. But, you know, when you threw him on, it was like, oh, it was the battering ram time, wasn't it? I just, uh, Andy. Who's your favourite? Um, I mean, my, mine would would be Origi as well. But if I, you know, if I've, I've look at elsewhere, <laughs> in a weird way, it's like Colo Torre sticks out as a name, just because I don't think I've ever been as made up to see someone score a goal for Liverpool than Colo <laughs> Torre when it just sort of hit his head, and I don't think he knew where he was aiming, but he just hits his head. It in. Oh, it's caught in. It's six. Colo Torre's got it on the act now. His first Liverpool goal. And then he runs off and does this weird run. <laughs> it's not even a celebration, is it? And he just falls over. And um, he was just, he was such a rat, like a mad player to watch, wasn't he? Because he just did, he just did things, and even just his actions were all just a bit crazy and a bit. He just, he just, he just constantly sort of made me laugh. And he even, I, I remember the when he sort of gifted the goal to West Brom. In a, I think it was a one-one draw, and it was, and it, his reaction after it, it, it I think it, it became a meme, didn't it? Of him just standing there with his hands on his head, looking like, you know, he didn't have a clue what an earth had just gone on. But yeah, he, he's someone who sticks out just because, yeah, that that goal against Villa was just one of the funniest moments I think I've ever seen, um, and I was just made up for him. There really was an air of chaos about him, and everything <laughs> he did, wasn't there? And. I mean, I remember talking to John Henry about him, and he goes, they brought him in to provide leadership, and I'm like, what? What? <laughs> you know, because um, he used to get very upset, didn't he, if, um, when things went wrong? You know, he was one of those who's, um, who'd get rather emotional, <laughs> you think to yourself. He's not exactly, you know, a nice guy, but not exactly leadership material. But there's, there's been loads of them. But I, I did want to, um, so it's one of my favourites from the 80s, and um, it's coming up on three years since he died. Michael Robinson, who was, uh, you know, he, he was a bit like Divock Origi without the goals. Um, <laughs> you know, he's he worked really hard from the team and a lovely man. And I just, uh, you know, I thought it's worth mentioning him. That he, he always used to tell the story of when he signed from Brighton and he said to her, uh, he was a Paisley and Fagan. And he said, well, you know, where do you want me to play? What do you want me to do? And they were like, uh, if you get, what we want you to do is get the ball, put it in the net, and if you don't do that, give it to some fella in the same coloured shirt as you so they can do it. And he was like, but tactically, no, if you have to ask the question, we've signed the wrong man. <laughs> and so it didn't go off to, to the greatest of starts. But like he worked really hard in a Liverpool shirt. And, I, you know, I love players who work hard. That's the, that's the main thing. And that's one thing, you know, Divock always put in a shift, didn't he? And that's, I think, it's really crucial. It didn't matter when he was brought on, you know, even if it was only the last minute, you knew he was going to work himself as much as he could into the ground. And so happy 28th birthday. Ah, 28th. 
He's had to say, I, I thought he was about 30. He seems to be around forever. Anyway, that's all from Walk On, your Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Thanks to James, Kiefer and Andy, as well as you for joining us. We'll be back on Thursday with more of your questions, observations and anecdotes. So, and if you want to get involved with all that, just email us walk-on at theathletic.com. That's walk-on at theathletic.com. We'll see you Thursday. The Athletic.